Put paste and delay creates. Most runners get into running with the 26.2 mile slash 42 kilometer marathon race as their end all be all. Some runners hit that marathon goal and then want to one up that and get to the 31 mile, 50k kilometer ultra distance race. And others look at going even further to race a 60-mile and even 100-mile trail run. But what happens when an ex-pro runner who focused on speed his whole life decides to break a Guinness Book World Record on his second Ironman triathlon attempt? Find that out more on this episode of Trees and D-Lake. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little. Just stay in the middle. Don't master all. Don't master none. Just be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners like yourself. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. Hi, I'm Mike Trees and I'm a professional triathlon and running coach. Been doing it all my life and the aim of this podcast is to give, in a light-hearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt with another 30 years of coaching committed and serious athletes like yourself. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. So I'd say I know a few things about what we're talking about. Another goal is to perform better as you age. No one is getting younger, so why not slow down the slowing down, as Mike Tree says. Listen to us, and we'll help you do just that. And a bonus cherry on top is if you can master some of your running and fitness goals, then you can definitely master some of your work, family, and life, because it's all the same. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Also, please rate and review on whatever podcast you use to help the robot overlords get us into the ears of more endurance athletes like yourself. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. In this episode, we go deep with Mike Trees on his second Ironman attempt. Almost 27 years ago, he did his first Ironman distance race. And because of a lot of things, life, training, triathlon, industry, etc., he never considered doing another one until tomorrow. A few things you'll learn in this episode. Why he took a 27-year-long gap between each Ironman race, how and why Olympic distance triathletes move up into the Ironman distance, how he's feeling about his race tomorrow, his epic Spain COVID DIY marathon story, what current training he's done differently as opposed to 27 years ago, what will happen if he doesn't get his projected time, and much more. Let's get into the conversation with Mike Trees and me. All right, Mike, another week, another podcast episode. So what is going on in your training world this week? Oh, it's all about uh, Ironman at the moment, getting out there, getting the training done. But uh, the, the key thing is that uh, for me, it's about enjoying every day. So uh, I look at my diary and uh, I make sure that each day is to be enjoyed to the full, uh, no matter what the training is. Uh, sometimes it's in the mountains, sometimes it's the sea, sometimes it's the pool. Uh, I, I, although it's Ironman, it, I still vary a lot uh, and I, I enjoy doing it. 
Uh, what about your week? How's that going? Well put. I like your optimism. It's uh, it's it's something that I need more of. Even though everyone thinks I'm an optimistic person, in my brain I'm always like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. So, uh, yeah, I think about what what would Mike do? What what is Mike thinking right now? How is he enjoying? This? I'll, I'll tell you what. When, when I got a rabbit hole already. When I was younger, I, I used to love training, but I was so busy with everything in life. Then I'd go out running and I'd be counting on my fingers. Okay, I've got to do the shopping when I get back. Oh, I've got to email that guy. He's desperate for a reply. Oh, the car needs fixing. I'd be going around. Okay, eight fingers. There are eight things to do. There's eight things that I get back and I keep going. Okay, email the guy, fix the car, do the shopping. And I wasn't enjoying the run. I spent the whole run thinking about what I had to do after the run. Uh, and it was uh, an old well, girl girlfriend. I think not a girl, you know, girlfriend, if you know what I mean, but a friend who was a girl. Uh, and she sat to me and said, Mike, you know, 99% of people just dream, you know, they just dream about what they're going to do with the rest of their life. Nobody lives in the present. Uh, and she was totally the opposite. She, she didn't plan anything. She was absolutely scatterbrained. I thought, yeah, there's a balance in there somewhere. <laughs> Enjoy the present, but plan a little bit for the future. So that's what I try and do now. I, I plan the sessions. I know I've got the time and I think I've got two hours to run. I'm going to enjoy that two hours. I'm not going to spend that whole two hours worrying about what I have to do afterwards. So uh, that's, that's how I get through it now. So uh, what's going on with me? Uh, this week was interesting. I, I came off of my vaccination and feeling, feeling much better than I thought I would. Um, but I wasn't hitting my times. And I think six weeks, six weeks of just not, you know, not being where I was. Mm-hmm. And I, was I was at pretty top-notch fitness. My aerobic, my aerobic system and, you know, a bit of my anaerobic system was, was ready for competition phase. And I've been trying to hold it for six weeks. And... And went without actually doing, you know, the training that I was doing, and I, I'm not where I where I want to be to get a get a good time. So I'm I'm in between right now. I don't know if I just if I do. I don't I don't have another ten weeks. I, this is going to be like a twenty four week block. Like this is getting absurd at this point. So I'm just mentally getting drained, and um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna trust the process for a second and see where I am next week. I mean, we're in a mixed up world as well with COVID, races cancelled. You can't just suddenly think, oh, I'll slot a 5K in in Parkrun this weekend, see where I'm at. It's difficult times all around. So you have to cut yourself a bit of slack. That's the other thing that stress will probably do more damage than actually the lack of training and everything else. Worrying about it is the biggest problem. So you've just got to cut that out and and say it is what it is and everyone else is in the same boat uh, and move on. But it's, it's super easy as a coach with all this experience to give the advice, but there's an athlete who still keeps making mistakes. <laughs> I know it's not as easy to uh, accept and process the advice. Warm-up complete. So we got all that fun, you know, mindfulness, woo-woo stuff out of the way. I love that stuff. That's, uh, that's my jam, as some people say. But let's, let's talk about now, and let's talk about the past, and let's talk about the future. You've got an Ironman coming up. So I want to know where your head is. And doing an Ironman triathlon is not easy. Uh, if you don't know what an Ironman triathlon is, it is the, the, the end-all be-all to, <laughs> to endurance events or one of them. It is a hundred, sorry, 3.8K swim, which is 2.5 miles for you Americans that need to get on the metric system, uh, followed by 180K bike, 112 miles, Followed by a marathon, which is 42Ks, 26 miles. And you do all that, yes, in one day. Um, and you try to transition as quickly as possible. And you eat and drink on the bike and sometimes pee. When you technically shouldn't, because that is actually not allowed to pee on the bike. Uh, you, even though everyone does it. But, but yeah, um, that is up to you if you want to do that. You're going to do one of those. And I know you've done, 
you're, you're more of a speed type of guy. You run 800s, you run 5Ks, you run 10Ks. I know you have done a marathon in the past, but this is, this is probably out of your comfort zone. So tell me, tell me how you're feeling about that. Yeah, so uh, as, as you know, uh, I actually Facebook, God bless them, sent me a little post saying six years ago today, I uh, was part of the European record-breaking team for the Masters, uh, 800 meters. I think I ran 206 that day. So yeah, so from a uh, 52-year-old uh, running 206 and a half, you know, and a mile, 1500s, I've gone up to uh, Ironman distance. Uh, I have done one before, actually. Uh, and what I plan to do when I completed this Ironman, uh, this tongue-in-cheek, is apply to the Guinness Book of Records for the longest gap between their first and their second Ironman. So I did an Ironman in 1994. So I was in the triathlon game in the early days. Uh, and uh, obviously... 2021 it, it's going to be 27 years since my first Ironman so I either loved the experience so much that I didn't want to do it again or it was so painful I didn't want to do it again <laughs> uh, the, the fact is actually uh, at that point uh, the uh, triathlon had just been uh, accepted the Olympics and, and my sponsors were all about the Olympics in Japan uh, and let's focus towards Olympic distance Olympics in Sydney 2000 and this was the early 90s uh, and I, I actually did quite well. I was the first Brit, I think, to go under nine hours. Uh, I think I had the British record for about two weeks before it was smashed totally. But uh, it was a, a decent time at the time, eight, eight hours, 50. Uh, and my target was to go under nine hours. So I'd achieved the target. Uh, I qualified for Kona as a professional and thought, it's okay. I can go to Kona anytime. Little did I know how competitive it was going to get. Uh, and my sponsors were quite happy for me to focus on Olympic distance races because they're much shorter. You can do more in a year and it's much more financially beneficial for a, a company that wants to do marketing of their brand. Uh, so uh, that's, that's why we focused on it. Uh, and then I started coaching towards the Sydney Olympics and one thing led to another. I then retired. I set up a business. I did that for 10 years. Time moved on. Short of the stories, really, I've been in triathlon since 1987, I think now. So a long time. One of the, I was one of the first guys in the sport, you know, the early adopters. Uh, and it's, it's been my life. I've coached. I, it, it's my livelihood. It's everything to do with my, my life and how I've made a living and part of my identity. Uh, and so I thought I've got to go to Kona once in my life. I've been there and watched the pros. I've been as a reporter for magazines and covered it. I've watched athletes race. But I've never actually been to Kona, which is where the, the world championships are held as an athlete. But to get to Kona, it's not that easy anymore. You've got to qualify. Uh, and it's quite competitive uh, at any age group for anyone. Uh, so I thought, I'm 60 next year. What a challenge. Let's get to Kona at 60 and race in the 60 to 64 age bracket uh, and see how we go. But of course, it's a long journey. And to get there from 60 to 64 to do an Ironman, it's going to take a couple of years, I thought, because I'm a, an 800, 1500, at most a 5,000 meter runner now. So uh, I hadn't done any work on the bike. I've just been running. Uh, and so I thought, yeah, it's a two-year plan at least. So that's how we've got to where we are. I thought, 60, it's a new challenge, uh, and I'm going to do Ironman. I don't think it's going to be the rest of my life doing Ironman, but I'd like to give it a good bash. You, you talked about, uh, thank you for, for sharing all that, uh, a bit more insight on the past. You talked about... Uh, being a sprinter, having that, you know, that fast twitch 
I guess, mm. gift or, you know, gene or whatever. Middle distance. I'm not quite middle, as quick as you. I'm not Sorry. as gifted as you in the sprinting <laughs> area, but... Uh, yeah, my turn of pace is, is okay, middle distance. <laughs> yeah, you, you would have been the person in the 200s I would have, in practice, I would have uh, beaten. But then in the, you know, in the, the one case uh, repeats, you would have demolished me. So I, I remember those people. <laughs> I, I, it, was, it bothered me so much. It was my one friend. He had that 800-1500 engine, and I had the, the, the 400-800 engine. And we would, we, I would beat him in the 400, but he would always beat me in the 8. So the 8 is where we would come. And you, you need a bit more aerobic than I had in the 8. But... Uh, back to you and the, the sprinting. So, you know, not the sprint, sorry, middle distance, um, mm. which obviously, you know, gears itself towards the shorter triathlons, which is called a sprint distance triathlon. Um, and the Olympic distance, which is, I'd say Olympic distance is 25% the volume or the, the length of a, of an Ironman. And just for, you know, some people don't know about Ironman, uh, you know, a lot of your, your fans that may have gone to this, a lot of your followers that may have stumbled upon this podcast don't know. What, what things are. So Ironman takes, on average, I think it's 14, 15 hours. It takes the average person to do an Ironman. Really fast times. The pros will win. World records are seven hours. Under eight hours now. Yeah. Seven, 739, I think, somewhere around there is the world record. Just, yeah. It's pretty, pretty shockingly fast. Pretty fast. Yeah. They get a, <laughs> they get a cool day with, uh, with no wind on a flat course, and yeah. they're, doing, they're doing sevens. Um, really fast, you know, amateur sub-elite would be in the low eights. Uh, sorry, mid-eights, mid-eights, low-eights. So you're shooting for, what's the time that you're shooting for? So I, I my first give it a bash is, is sub-10, uh, sub I would okay. do. And you did so nine, I would say you did the, nine the, in the past, right? I've done 850 uh, 30, you know, years ago. Uh, well, 27 years ago, yeah. <laughs> as I just said. So I was 34 at the time, uh, okay. maybe the others. But anyway... So you got you're shooting for you know nine fifty nine fifty nine would be perfect. Uh, you've done eight fifty, and an Olympic distance was you know a good time is sub two hours, correct? Like doing yeah, like yeah. one forty five, one fifty, and that's the the type of training and the type of fitness you were in back thirty years ago. Yeah, back um, in the day, I was doing yeah one forty five to one fifties. Yeah, on a good course. So Olympic distance is what you know you saw in the Olympics. If you watch the Olympics, um, Brownlee's and I think Gomez is the Spanish guy, right? Was it Gomez? Yeah, the, the the top guys now are still you know Alistair and Johnny Brownlee, uh, Alex Yee's up, up and coming. Uh, Gomez from Spain. He he used to compete with um, the Brownlee's a lot. Yes, yes, but Christian Blumenfeld just won the Olympics. He's the uh, the new guy on the block uh, Olympic, yeah. in, in Olympic distance. Yeah. But back to um, Gomez, and I think one of the Brownleys, they jumped up two years ago to the Ironman. So they were, they were doing, you know, sprints and Olympics, and then they did the big jump to Ironman. So tell me, tell me about that. What, what happens is, is generally ad break. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike and his team of coaches work with beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. They just want a desire to learn and improve. They focus on 1,500-meter races to marathon running and triathlon training. Energy coaching is constantly overbooked. So Instagram and this new podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his energy coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at the letters nrg-coaching.com or go to the link in the show notes. And back to the show. So they were they were doing you know sprints and Olympics, and then they did the big jump to Ironman. So tell me tell me about that. What what happens is is generally uh, the top pros 
you you sort of just lose an edge uh, at the Olympic distance somewhere around your early 30s. You're finding it tougher to hang in with the sprints and you're not recovering as quickly. Uh, but your stamina is, is pretty much at its peak then. So, so from 30 to 40, you're in your peak years for Ironman, probably less so for Olympic distance. So a lot of the guys move up at that point. Uh, and so Alistair's still on that journey. He's been injured quite a bit, uh, but he's still on the journey to, to hit the perfect Ironman. Jan Fredino is the classic example of someone who, an Olympic champion, uh, you know, a brilliant triathlete, short distance that's moved up. And he owns the slot at the moment. He's the, the, the king. Uh, in Ironman distance triathlons uh, and, and the fastest guy in the world. Uh, and then you've got legends like, you know, Tim Don. Uh, I mentioned this, I, I coach Tim Don currently. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he's been, oh, three Olympics, short distance world champion. He had the world record for Ironman. And so a lot of these guys, it, it, it gives them the, the length of career they wouldn't have if they just concentrated on the short distance. So he's, uh, Tim's now in his early 40s and still racing, one of the top pros in the world. Uh, and and it, it allows you to go a lot longer. Uh, a good friend of mine, Cameron Brown, who I used to race with in Japan when he was 18 years old. Uh, wow. And I, I like to say that I, I beat him when he was 18. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't mention the 18 bit, so uh, it's a bit cheeky. But a classier, way, way classier act than I'll ever be. Uh, but he, he's turning 50 and wants to be the first pro ever to race Ironman as a pro at uh, 50. Oh, so wow. uh, we're, we're pushing the boundaries. So 60, yeah. my, my aim is to say, one step ahead of the game and just see if I can do the fastest, you know, somewhere near the fastest time in the world at 60. I think that currently is, uh, uh, a little, uh, is 938, uh, at uh, Kona for the 60 bracket. So it's, it's a tough challenge. So you're going to, you're going to try to get, because <laughs> Kona course is hard. If you don't yeah, know, it's, it's Kona course is, it's hot and I think it's humid. Um, and it's hilly so, and it's windy. <laughs> the, the year the record was set was actually the age group world record uh, was, was set at 8.25 in 2019. There was no wind. It was a drift, dream year. That was when the uh, M60 record was set. So setting records at Hawaii is a tough one because you, you're exposed to the elements. It, it could be a cooler day, a cloudy day and no wind, which it's all you know, game on. Or it could be that the trade winds are blowing uh, and you've just got to just not fall off your bike. It's so windy. So uh, it's, it's a tough one. But. I'd like to uh, see see how I can go and where it stacks up. Uh, and, and if you if you don't get the record, it, it still gives you more respect for the guys that have gone quicker to think, wow, I know what work I put in for those guys to go quicker. It's uh, another game. But uh, let's see where we can get to. It, it's easy talking until I do the Ironman. Uh, you know, I've, I've not got a good track record in marathons. The idea, idea was actually to do a few marathons last year on my step up to the Ironman, thinking I'd coast under three hours. Well, my first marathon, I was just out training and actually did it in 2.58 in training. Uh, so I w- and then I got greedy and wanted to go quicker. And the rest, I've blown up in them all. <laughs> T- tell me, I know you have, I was going through your Instagram trying to find some, some photos and videos of you to help promote this podcast. And I ended up stumbling upon you going to Spain in March 2020, which is right when COVID hit. Uh, tell, tell me about that. You were trying to run a marathon, the, the Spain marathon. Um, that, that's, it's an interesting story. Mm. Well, back in March, 2020, uh, there were stories about a little virus or giving people a few colds and things going around in, in Italy. Uh, and it, it seemed a long, long way from Spain. 
So we jumped on a plane. I trained hard. My son and I, we were in perfect shape. And uh, he was going to go, well, we were both going to go for a sub 240, a sub 249. So it was four minute per case. We we're going to hit 248. And, and to be honest, I was in shape that it was touch and go. I think I would have been pretty close to it. So we, we got to Barcelona and uh, it was all looking good. And then once we got there, they announced the, the race was cancelled. Uh, and I said, oh, bloody hell. So Tommy, what are we going to do? So we said, well, we've come all this way. Let's just find a course, measure it and run our own marathon. Uh, and Tommy and some of his mates had come to do the race. And I had a friend from uh, Tokyo that had gone out with me as well to do the race. So we thought, great, there's going to be five or six of us. We'll do a race on our own. Uh, and so the day before we, we measured the course, we got it all sorted out. And on, on race day, we got up nice and early uh, and uh, we were going to do it. But uh, before that, I just need to add in a little bit of detail. Uh, we, we get up and the day before we were going to do it, my mate uh, from, it, uh, from Tokyo, he said, Mike, I'm at the airport. I am uh, leaving the country now. I said, why is that? He said, well, they, they're closing the borders. Uh, and I just thought I'd get out early. So we didn't think it was too serious. So the next morning we get up to do the race uh, and find out that the borders are shutting at midnight, the day that we're going to run. So uh, first thing in the morning, we, we wake up. I think, oh, bloody hell, let's get tickets. And then Tommy being practical, well, let's get tickets in the afternoon, Dad. Then we can still run in the morning and do this <laughs> marathon. So, so all his mates are on there uh, and they're all looking for tickets. And he said, I found a ticket for 800 pounds, I think it was, to get out of here. Uh, he said, it's a ripoff. And I said, book it. Whatever it is now, it's going up. So we booked two tickets and we got a plane. And his mates were still shopping around for cheaper and cheaper flights. They couldn't get it. Eventually, they had to get across the border to France uh, and get a ticket from France back to England. I still think it cost them a thousand pounds. It still cost them way more than we did uh, because they were shopping around for a deal. Whereas uh, Tommy and I thought, yeah, let's just cut the losses uh, and do whatever we need to do. So we got ticket booked at the end of the day. And we said, great, we've got three or four hours spare. Let's get this marathon done. But really, you know the story. You're already massively stressed out. The adrenaline that you should have used in the run, it's been used in trying to get yourself an airline ticket out the country. So we go at the course, we lay the water out at the turns because there's no aid stations. We have to make our own aid stations and start running. Uh, 10K in, we get the first aid station. Bugger me, someone's nicked the water. So <laughs> we've got no water at the aid station. So it's now, now we're going to do 42K with no water. Well, Tommy had a mate with us as well that was sort of cycling and trying to help. So we, we sent him off to a convenience store to uh, try and get some water, which uh, he couldn't speak a word of Spanish. I think you know, he disappeared. Uh, and uh, we did actually find a water fountain. We did get a little bit of water, but not enough to get us through. Uh, and we got to about 21K and Tommy said, you know what, Dad? I'm cooked. I can't make a marathon. Uh, we were on, you know, 250 pace. We were running pretty well, sub four minute Ks. We were rolling along, but it just didn't feel as easy as it should. And he pulled out and said, it's okay. I'll cycle next to you, dad. You can complete it. And, and somewhere between 21 and 30 Ks, uh, I was running at 355, 355, 405, 415, 430, 445, five minutes. And I just looked, I said, now when I hit five minutes, it's not happening. I pulled the plug at 30 K, uh, we got our stuff, got a few beers, and headed straight to the airport to get up the country. But uh, it, it fell apart totally. But to be honest, I tell everyone this story, and they say, oh, what a great story. 
If I'd run 2.49 or 2.50, I'd probably forgotten it. And people say, did you ever do that time? I say, I don't know. I think maybe I did. Where was I? I can't remember now. But I remember this forever. <laughs> Even when the dementia's setting in and I can't remember my own name, I'll say, oh, I remember Spain in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a stressful, crazy mess. I hope that in your Ironman, uh, <laughs> hopefully COVID isn't, you know, there's not some new COVID that happens when you're in Hawaii. Uh, just to say that Instagram has been amazing to me, the friends I've made around the world, the connections, because I actually spend the time to to follow people back and understand who who's talking to me and reply to their questions. Uh, and a, g- a guy called John Mayo from Spain, I, I said, I'm going to Barcelona. I have no idea what I'm doing, where I'm going. Anyone that got any hints? And he got in touch with me and said, hey, I'm in Spain. How about I, I meet you? I can pick you up and show you around the course and show you what to do and where to go. Uh, and he did. He picked me up. And fantastic. And showed me around, gave me a great time. I thought, wow, isn't this amazing that, that social media, I, I, I can have friends with people I never thought I would. And he's a triathlete, Ironman triathlete. I follow him daily and see what he's up to. Uh, one day we'll meet again. But uh, the amazing power of Instagram to, to bring me together with, with people around the world. Uh, and they just made that trip a little bit more special going to Spain. That's amazing. That, that, that's really cool that, you know, someone um I, I don't even call people on the internet strangers because you know once you get to know them it's like it's like knowing someone in real life you know well that's like, how we've met <laughs> interesting you know from from you know me you know sort of following you know on, on the instagram to uh do a podcast together i'm looking forward to covid ending and actually uh, meeting in person <laughs> yeah yeah you know if you if you do this move to new zealand um uh, if, if it ever happens then we'll be much closer than tokyo and mm. and you know the the new zealand australia Kind of, uh, it'll be a, a Brit, a Brit, New Zealand, and American in Australia, and we yeah. will somehow make it work. <laughs> Let's kind of go to the future a bit, hmm. and you know, we are already speaking about the future and meeting up. What if you don't get the qualification? So you you know your time. Obviously, everyone's going to be in the same conditions that day, so you don't have to necessarily get a certain time, but you need to put in a certain effort to get top three or whatever it is in your it's, age group. It's first. It's one per age group. Oh, so first. I've got to. Oh, geez. There's no room for error. Uh, there's, you know, roll, you, there's roll down. Iron Man does have roll down. They have roll down. It, it has roll down, but I want to do it on merit. But uh, I'd take the roll Fair. down. I'm not yeah. proud. I'd take the roll down, but I'd like to do Fair. it on, on merit. But uh, if I don't, well, last year I entered Iron Man Portugal. Uh, and, but because of COVID, it was just too, and it got cancelled in the end. It's just getting more and more complicated to get there. I entered Iron Man Portugal again this year. I uh, was going to go there, but it, it, it was it's still too complicated doing quarantine in Europe and getting back. And it was a lot easier to go to America. So that's why I've put uh, California in there. Uh, and I'm pretty excited to go there. If it doesn't go right, well, there's lots of things that have gone wrong in my life. Uh, and I, I quote this a lot that I know people have had worse injuries and worse illnesses than, than I've had. But uh, I had a, a, I was, in a, a bike crash years ago and, and ultimately a disc exploded in my back. It's a partially paralyzed one leg. I was partly in a wheelchair, bedridden, blah, blah, usual stuff, but had a, an operation, cleared it up uh, and spent time getting back. But when, interestingly, when it went and I said to my wife, I said, Rico, and I was training for, to get back into triathlon. I just started there and I said, no, this is serious. It's going to take a while. And she said, oh, you must be really depressed. And I said, oh, well, no, I've just got to rework it and work out rehab mode now. So before, I was getting excited about what training to do to win races. Now I'm getting excited when people say, well, you won't be able to run again. It's like, you know, no, prove that wrong. There will be people out there that'll tell me how to run again, help me how to run again. It's just working out what I need to do to get back. So 
Defeat never depresses me, actually. It's just another challenge. Okay, where did I go wrong? What can I learn? And how can I get it right next time? So I'm certainly not going in there expecting to lose because then I think you will. I'm going in the race expecting to win my age group. Uh, and whoever, if someone beats me, they're going to have to do a classy performance to beat me. And I'm not doing that to show off. It's just I've worked hard and I'm going in there and I'm confident what I'm going to do. But if someone's in better shape than me, well, all respect to them, I then have to go back to drawing board and work out how to take my uh, triathlon to another level. So uh, I, I just try to be realistic uh, and rational, give credit where it's due, but not overly worry about problems uh, that before they happen. There's, there's too many people. My mother was a big worrier. Uh, she was forever telling me to get a pension, get a, a semi, we call it a semi-detached house in a nice part of town, become a teacher, get a nice, safe job. Uh, and a nice, safe life. Uh, and I kept telling her, that's your life. <laughs> My life is taking a few risks. It's pushing the boat out. It's planning a little bit for the future, but not worrying what will or won't happen. Uh, and so that, that's all we can do really is, is plan. But if some guy comes out of nowhere that is just an uber swimmer, a mega bike rider uh, and runs a marathon, you know, as, as quick as Kipchoge, well, it doesn't make me any slower. That's the thing. I'm no slower. I've just got to see what, what I can do to combat it. <laughs> speaking of uh, work, you just you were just speaking of outworking and, you know, not having someone outwork you. They might out-talent you, um, mm. but they won't outwork you. What training have you been doing that's different? Like, uh, you, I think I saw you did a really big block last week, a uh, whole lot of riding, like a really crazy swim, and uh, I think it was pretty much a 40K run. I can't remember, 35K run. Uh yeah, tell, so, tell me a bit more about that. Well, first of all, the, the big change is I, I stretch, even though I don't like stretching now. I get massage and physical therapy, and I do strength and conditioning heavy weights. Uh, so that's a big change that I've implemented for the last few years. In terms of the Ironman block, uh, this last week was my biggest block uh, of training uh, about 25, 26 hours. But uh, on, uh, where are we now? Wednesday last week, a friend of mine said he would keep me company on a, a bike ride. He planned the route. It was the Olympic bike course route plus a bit of extra climbing. So put in perspective, we, we climbed up the equivalent of Mount Fuji on the bikes, uh, just under 3,600 meters of vertical climb, 160 kilometers of cycling. It was actually a little bit more by the time I'd cycled to the hotel for the night. <laughs> it was probably near 180. Uh, and... Uh, it was a, a, a nine-hour day. We, we took a couple of breaks uh, on the way, so we're in the saddle for nine hours. But I had a respect, a healthy respect for cyclists. We went up Mikuni Pass, uh, which is where the Olympic cyclists cycled up, and they danced up this hill. Well, it's 16 to 20%. I crawled. I, I was on the pedaling, but I groveled up this hill the whole way, thinking, I, I can't really say the expletives, but I was saying to, to my mate, what the did you bring us up here for? Just whinge and moly the whole way. Uh, and when we got to the top, he just looked at me. He said, did that hurt? And I said, uh, I'm too tired to comment. He said, good, because it nearly killed me. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the hills got a lot easier after that. But boy, uh, the, these Olympic and pro cyclists, there's something else. So we, we did you know, a good nine hours a day there. And I decided to put three days together. The next day, I cycled 40K to the ocean from where I was staying uh, at, at a decent pace, about 34, 35Ks an hour. Uh, and then I Which did it. Sorry for Americans, 20 miles an hour. Uh, 34, about 22, <laughs> tw 35, 22 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then I did five and a half K in the sea. I basically went out 
two and a half K. It got really deep. Uh, lots of jellyfish uh, and lots of sea lice. I was getting bitten all over the sea. I still got marks on, on here and, and things where they got into my wetsuit. Uh, and so then I turned around and came back. Uh, and it's actually when, when you're along, when you're two and a half K out to sea and the, the, the land looks a long way off, you then you start thinking, hmm, there are sharks around here. But it wasn't the sharks that, that actually got me in the end. It was the jellyfish and the lice. So I did five and a half K swim that day. Then I came back. And I thought, well, we'll just uh, round it off. I did a 10K beach run on the sand. And it, well, I, I, I shouldn't swear, but it was one of those days where it was high tide, if you say no what's. Low tide, you can run on the firm sand near the water's edge. High tide, you've only got the soft sand to shuffle in. So you've got sand getting into your shoes and your socks. Whoa. And you're just sinking. There's nowhere flat to put your feet. So I did 10K. It took me nearly an hour. Uh, and, and that was that day finished. Uh, and then... Uh, that was the recovery day, by the way. <laughs> the, following, <laughs> the following day, I went out and I did a 35K run. But uh, as you, you know... You did that really easy. Uh, you did that really easy. An too, easy right? run. But as you know, yeah. I'm not technically minded. Uh, and you'll, you'll laugh at this one. I forgot to start my watch. So the first 2K, I didn't start the watch. So I actually did 37K, but I only recorded 35. <laughs> I always put whenever I don't record and it's a serious run, I'm always like plus two Ks or something, you know, like I would have put that in the bottom of a uh, Strava description. Well, that's why I put it in the, co- that's why I put it on the comment here. So if anyone listens to this thing, oh, we did 37, but I ran at target race pace, which is 445. So if all goes well, I should do a sub 320 marathon. Now that's in theory and 445 pace, uh, fresh, well, say fresh, I've done two hard days before. I had an average heart rate of 109. So I'd got 20 beats heart rate reserve. I think I could probably hold a 130 heart rate in the Ironman. So I think a 320 is, is doable on, on race day. And the 37K, to be honest, it was only the, in a sense, it was boredom really that got me through it. Yeah, Japan, Tokyo is not the nicest place to run. I was running in Tokyo along the river and I just had a, a two and a half K stretch out and back. And the reason I did two and a half out and back is I've done that course. I know it's sheltered from the wind on a good day and there's a bit of shelter from the sun. It doesn't get too hot. Uh, and there's a nice water fountain so I can get a drink at the end of each 5K lap. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's not the nicest scenery and it does get a little bit boring when you're doing, you know, eight or nine laps. Yeah, you're, th- those, uh, those training runs are, are definitely... I, I've done an Ironman. Uh, if you listen to the intro, you would have heard that I did a, I did a 10, 10.45 Ironman. You, I remember those runs off the bikes and, and those long runs, which I should have done way more of. And, you know, it was right after the Ironman or the next day, a few days later, I did my own kind of like debrief. And I was like, what could I have done better? And I'm like, run off the bike yeah. more. Like, I should, have, I should have done 10K runs off the bike like habitual three, mm-hmm. four times, you know, a, a week leading up to the Ironman, especially getting the longer runs. But this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is about you. Um, we'll get into, thank you for all that information. We will get into what happens next, which is you actually doing the Ironman on another episode. So we'll save that for part two, uh, whenever that will be, depending on whenever we release it and when you do it and when you come back and, you know, hopefully you don't have to quarantine for too long. Yeah. How does that sound? How does that sound? I'll give you a whole rundown on, on how it goes. Looking forward to it. Well, all the best. And uh, we'll get on to part three, which is the question of the episode. Okay. Main set finished. Let's move into the cool down. All right. And we're into the cool down of this episode. Main set is complete. And it is the question, the question, the question of the episode. This one 
is meant to be a two-way conversation with, with everyone. So make sure that you tag us, or sorry, you just message us your answer. Message Mike at run.energyletters and on Instagram, and you can message me at dlakecreates, or you could email me, holler, or sorry, there's a lot of places you can email me, talk at dlakecreates.com. Uh, let's get into the question. So drum roll. Again, there's no right or wrong answer for these questions. We just want to hear what you have to say. This is always a fun one. Would you rather train with music or a podcast? So those are the only two options. There, no music is not an option uh, for this question. Mike, train with music or a podcast? So a long bike ride, a podcast. I'll uh, upload various podcasts onto my, ba- onto my uh, phone and I'll use the time. If it's a long, slow bike ride, particularly over winter, I use the time to study. So uh, some humorous podcasts, some just general information, and also a few serious ones. I try and get some, uh, some good quality stuff. So uh, instead of reading, I can think, well, I'm out for a four-hour bike ride. I could have been in the office reading and studying for four hours. So I, I try and pick up a lot of stuff through podcasts. Running, music every time. Uh, I just love getting in the beat with music when I'm running. So uh I know it's not an option, but if I'm doing an interval session or a race, I don't have any music because uh, I can't focus on the session. But every long, slow, easy, steady pace run these days seems to be with music of, of some sort. Uh, and uh, my, my current favorite, just to uh, let people know who probably do guess this if they follow me on Instagram because I love the reels, is uh, uh, Imagine Dragons and uh, Maniskin. So uh, those are the two that I, I seem to like listening to the most at the moment running. How about you? What's your answer, Darren? I never thought about splitting it on the, on the event like you. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a 80% of the time, I'm more of a music guy person um, and 20% of the time is podcast. And because I have a podcast, you know, I, I have many podcasts that I help produce a podcast. I work with companies and produce their podcasts, create their podcast. So I actually do so much of my podcast listening in more of a work capacity. It's more of me listening back. And I want to listen back in a, oh, how does it flow? How does it feel? Can I listen to what they're saying with, you know, cars honking around me and whatnot? Uh, And I've also found out in the way my brain is wired that podcasts, they require a lot of energy. And I get sucked into whatever they're talking about, whereas music, I can just zone out. So uh, it allows me to be podcast. I'm not present on the run, whereas music, I become more present on the run. And then there, I know this isn't an option, but there's always I do like running without music. There's there, there's certain runs. I have interval sessions and races. I've actually found that I run better. And I, I listen to a drum and bass um, DJ session, which is like, you know, it's like a 40 minute long mix, whatever, however long it is. I'm a DJ. I used to DJ back in, in a previous lifetime, so I could put together mixes and whatnot. And I make sure that the, that the BPM is exactly where I want it to be because I want my cadence. So for shorter, faster races, mile 5K, I like my cadence to be a bit higher than I naturally would run at. And I found that I end up running more efficiently. So, um, so yeah, I, three years ago, I would have said, yeah, races and intervals never put any music in my ears. But now I really like that for cadence. But uh, for easy runs, some easy runs where I just want to, especially when it's by the water or it's in nature, nothing. So I know that wasn't an option. I know I said that wasn't it. So it's always between music and podcasts and then sometimes nothing for me. And I need to interrupt and say uh, something uh, safety-wise. 
By the way, I cycle on closed roads in Japan. It's along riverbanks. There's no cars allowed on those riverbanks. Uh, and I run off-road all the time. I never run with traffic. I run in parkland or roads that are closed roads so that it, it's safe. Uh, the only, you know, the thing that I would say is I wouldn't have the music on uh, going along roads uh, and with traffic around. What I have got actually that it, it is a better option is, is uh, head beats, aftershocks, which is bone dense, uh, condensing. So you can hear the traffic and things around you, but there is a problem that you can't zone out if you listen to a podcast cycling along a road uh, and not be thinking about what's happening around you. So there's a little bit of a safety aspect uh, to think about. So you've got to think where you're cycling uh, if you're listening to music or a podcast uh, for the safety aspect as well. Good call that. Yes, I do agree. I always put the volume a tiny bit low so I can hear all my the ambient sounds around me if someone's yelling or if a car is about to you know, come screeching and, and, and hit me or something. But yeah, you're very right. For cycling, um, I found a little hack where I, I haven't cycled in so long. I've been focusing on running for the past year and since I have my son. Um, if I really am going to do music, I put one headphone in. So uh, yeah, and I have the headphone closest wherever, whatever country I'm in. If it's United States, then it's the left one. Yeah, I always have it next to the car so I can hear that car about to come next to me and take me out. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that. Again, please, if you, if you want to hit us up, we want to make this two-way conversation. We want to hear what you all saying. We'll post this up in our reels and stories. And uh, yeah, be ready for that. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, a.k.a. D-Lake. Tips and tactics you could train like a pro. This cast to help you and faster than you could go. All the PR sugar beat it, course records that comes in your upcoming season. Right. Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be, just be a master of some. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. One, two, three. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills. All so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow D-Lake Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, 
a rating review or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing the more people that hear about us the doper stuff we can do to then help other people and if that virtuous cycle continues forever we would always be grateful to you if you have any questions concerns suggestions for the episode or hell you want to be on the show hit us up the best way is to email talk t-a-l-k at dlakecreates.com we're also on the socials mainly instagram you can hit up mike trees at the letters r-u-n dot n-r-g or you can hit me up on instagram at dlakecreates.com or just wherever you can find us is fine don't worry if you didn't get all that there's a link in the show notes description thank you again so much for listening peace